Broadcasting coast to coast. Sports talk the way it was meant to be. This is Fazy's Take. Now, here's your host, Jake Fazy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Fazy's Take podcast. Happy Saturday, everyone. Hope you all are doing well. To my fellow St. Louisans, this is our first Saturday off of quarantine, so it feels great. We got a great show for you today. We're going to go through Fazy's Fast Facts as usual. Move into football. We're going to talk about the new Rooney rule being proposed, some player arrests over the last week, and the league's memo to teams about returning to practice. We're then going to move over into basketball, talk about the last dance finale and the series as a whole, and we're going to finish out with baseball, talking about their virtual draft and their return to play protocol. Listener shout out this week. My listener shout out this week goes to all you guys that are still listening 14 episodes deep. I really appreciate it, and I hope you guys all continue to listen as we move on in this journey of sports podcasting. Now, without further ado, let's get right into the show. It's the start of another episode of the Fazy's Take Podcast, so you know that means it's time for Fazy's Fast Facts. Aaron Rodgers finally spoke out about the team drafting Jordan Love, another young quarterback, admitting he was not thrilled with the pick. However, he said he understands the organization is looking towards the future and he looks forward to working with Jordan. Ravens owner Steve Biscotti and his wife Renee donated $1 million to the Maryland Food Bank. They add to a massive list of management and players pouring out their support in this troubling time. Ex-Tigers pitcher Armando Galarraga wants the MLB to overturn the missed call that ruined his perfect game back in 2010. The umpire that made the horrendous call in the last out of the game apologized immediately after. The Cincinnati Reds are the latest team to enact pay cuts and furloughs throughout the organization. The cuts are tiered up to 20%, will last through the end of the year, and upwards of 25% of the team's employees will be furloughed. Talia Tagovailoa announced he will transfer to Maryland. Former Alabama offensive coordinator Mike Loxley is their current head coach. The Houston Rockets reopened their facilities for voluntary workouts this past Monday. It'll be interesting to see how many players actually attend the workouts at the facility rather than staying in the safety of their own facility at home. Spencer Dinwiddie is willing to sign a one-year deal with any NBA team the fans choose if they raise roughly $24.6 million in Bitcoin for a GoFundMe. He will be a free agent after the 2020-2021 season. Jazz forward Bogdan Bogdanovich will undergo season-ending surgery to repair a ligament in his right wrist. His full recovery is expected by the beginning of the next season, whenever that may be. Texas and California announced their dates for return of professional sports on Monday. Texas can return with no fans on May 31st, and California can return with no fans the first week of June. Belmont Stakes have been rescheduled for June 20th without fans. The new Triple Crown schedule goes June 20th, Belmont Stakes, September 3rd, Kentucky Derby, and October 5th, Preakness Stakes. NFL owners have vetoed to approve the resolution that would prevent teams from blocking assistant coaches from interviewing for coordinator positions. This means assistants no longer need permission to take promotions with other teams. All 30 NBA teams are expected to participate in a coronavirus antibody study spearheaded by Timberwolves' Dr. Robbie Sika. Researchers hope the results offer a better understanding of the spread of the disease in the league and society. Cowboys' new pass rusher Alden Smith was officially reinstated by the NFL. Smith is now cleared to take part in the Cowboys' virtual offseason program. The NBA has Disney World in Orlando as a clear frontrunner for the return-to-place site 
for resuming the current season. Orlando has gained significant seriousness among other cities such as Las Vegas. Joining the Cincinnati Reds, the Chicago Cubs employees will also be taking pay cuts, but they have been guaranteed employment through at least the end of June. A majority of the cuts will be for 15% or less, and the hope is that baseball is back in June, so no furloughs are necessary. NFL jerseys sales were released this week, and Tua Tagovailoa currently holds the top two spots. The next four spots are owned by Tom Brady, along with the 10th. Rob Gronkowski owns 7 and 9, and Joe Burrow sits at spot number 8. Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Chad Ochocinco, went out to lunch in a Florida restaurant and proceeded to leave a $1,000 tip. He left a note congratulating them on making it through the pandemic and reopening and saying he hoped the tip would help with the lost profits. Finalists for the Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian Award have been announced. They are the McCourty brothers from the Patriots, Maya Moore, Nelson Cruz, Kevin Love, and Titus O'Neill. The winner will be announced at the ESPYs. Spike Lee and Ray Allen are in talks with Zion Williamson to star in a He Got Game sequel. As long as Space Jam 2 does not fall through, this will be the second big sports sequel replacing an old star with a new one. Following the success of The Last Dance, ESPN will release another docu-series in 2021. A nine-part series on Tom Brady has officially been announced and will premiere next year. Talks for a long-term deal between Jets safety Jamal Adams and the team have come to a screeching halt. Adams recently had his fifth-year option picked up by the team, and it seems to be some confusion as to what is to happen after that fifth year. And finally, Kalen Newton, the younger brother of Cam Newton, has announced he will be transferring to his brother's alma mater at the University of Auburn. Hopefully, this does not end up like Tua and Talia with one, the younger brother feeling the pressure of the older one's footsteps and eventually heading out somewhere else. But those are Fazy's Fast Facts. NFL owners will soon vote on a resolution that would improve a team's draft position if they hire a person of color as head coach or GM. They would move up six spots in the third round for hiring a head coach of color and 10 spots in the third round for hiring a GM of color. One of the NFL's head coaches of color, Chargers coach Anthony Lynn, has already voiced his distaste with the new proposal, saying, Sometimes you can do the wrong thing while trying to do the right thing, and I think this is out of desperation. You can't make people hire someone if they don't want to hire them. Well, Anthony Lynn, I would have to agree with you in that situation. I am as well not a fan of this rule. To me, this sounds like a modern-day slave trade. Hey, I'll buy one black coach for a third-round pick. What kind of crap is that? That's horrible. I would even go as far as to disagree with Coach Lynn. The NFL is not trying to do right. They're not trying to do the right thing. The NFL is saying that the only way that they can get more people of color into their staffs is to pay for them. Like they can just buy them out. Here's a stat. 80% of NFL players go broke three years after retirement. 80%. It's a big number. Why not just create a coaching path for players whenever they retire? Most players don't retire to get away from the game anyways. They retire because they're too old or they need a less demanding role. Coaching would be perfect for that. Keep players in the game, increase diversity in staffs, and don't sound like an ignorant asshole while you're trying to do it. Because that's what Roger Goodell sounds like right now. Every team should leave a few spots open on their coaching staff every season to open up for players who are retiring that want to stay close to the game. I don't see a problem with that. I think that would be a great idea. They can move their way up in the coaching ranks, and eventually you will get a lot more people of color in head coaching and GM roles. It's not that difficult, but the best solution is not to just pay them out with draft picks. That makes you sound 
like an asshole, like I was saying. Because it, it, it is. It's a horrible thing to do. And I hope that they decide to overturn this rule or fix it in some way. Because right now, it is pretty bad. There have been a number of arrests in the NFL over the last week. Starting off with Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker charged with four counts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. He pleaded not guilty to all charges and his lawyer says he is working to obtain an alibi for his innocence using his game console login activity. Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar uh, I believe was tied to that situation and he was charged with four counts of armed robbery. Redskins wide receiver Cody Latimer charged with second degree assault, menacing, illegal discharge of a firearm, prohibited use of a weapon, and reckless endangerment. It was later revealed that Latimer was contacted by law enforcement concerning an investigation of a sexual assault of his four-year-old son. The assault was allegedly perpetrated by a person that was at a weekend poker game with Latimer leading to the altercation. So this was more of a personal justice situation for Latimer, not really just a random fight. Next up, and the final one, Bill's defensive tackle, Ed Oliver, was arrested and charged with driving while intoxicated and unlawful carrying of a weapon. The NFL has released a memo to all 32 teams about the reopening of their facilities, and here are some key points from that. First, facilities can reopen as soon as May 19th, a.k.a. this past Tuesday, if permitted to do so under state regulations. Second, no coaches are allowed Third, and this one's the interesting one, only players undergoing rehab or treatment are allowed. And then fourth, a max of 20% of staffers up to 75 people are allowed in the facility at one time. So with the rehab thing, I think we're either going to see a lot of players faking injuries or very few players at all inside of these facilities. As we finish out the NFL, I just want to apologize because I realized that the entire time I was recording before, my vent was uncovered and my fan was running. So if you heard some background noise, I am sorry about that. But finishing out football with Dak Prescott because, well, there's nothing more fun than making fun of Dak Prescott. Our good friend Dak turned down one of the greatest deals in the history of the game of football. Five years, $175 million. That's $35 million a year that he originally said he wanted. But nope, not good enough for Dak. He turned it down. He said he wants north of $45 million in his last season. North of, you heard me right, $45 million dollars I'm sorry Dak but when are you going to learn that 500 quarterbacks don't make that kind of money nobody makes that kind of money actually you went eight and eight in the worst division in the NFL with one of the best running backs and best wide receivers in the NFL you still managed to go eight and eight you didn't pull a winning record out of that now there is a fine line between making sure that your family is set for the future and asking for far more than you are worth. I have lost almost all respect for Dak in this free agency process, as I'm sure a lot of other people have as well. I hope Andy Dalton kicks his ass in minicamp and takes his spot, and I hope Dak becomes one of the biggest could-have-beens to ever play football because no one that's that greedy deserves to stay in the league. I don't understand who Dak thinks that he is. Because if it's the end of the game and we're down by four, five, six, or even seven, maybe even even three, because I don't really have faith in Dak to get the ball in field goal range. If I have the choice between Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott to give the ball to, 
I think that the only people that would choose Dak Prescott have a twangy accent and live in Dallas, Texas. Because he's not going to do it for you. Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball down the field, score a touchdown, and probably convert on the two if you're down by seven. Dak Prescott's probably just going to either go four and out because it'd be the end of the game or throw a pick and you lose. So Dak, I don't know what to say anymore, man. Got to get your head out of the clouds. Got to come back down to earth because you're not worth that much money. No one's worth that much money, to be totally honest with you. So that's it for football. Moving into basketball, five weeks and 10 hours of film later, the last dance has come to a close. I think this is one of the greatest sports documentaries of all time, easily. And if you call yourself a basketball fan, you need to watch it. Unfortunately, Scottie Pippen would not agree with me on that. Uh, It was revealed a few days ago that he was beyond livid with Michael Jordan and how he was portrayed in the series. Now, I can see how he would be a little bit upset. After the first few episodes, Scotty was kind of portrayed as a weak link who, when it came down to to clutch time, he wasn't there to perform. But I feel like the documentary did hammer home the fact. And Jordan even said it himself. There is no Jordan without Pippen. And we did see that whenever Scotty was not in the game or was not playing, the team did not perform how they were supposed to or how they usually did. So, Really sorry to hear that uh, for Scotty. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure Michael and him have talked since then, uh, or maybe they haven't. Maybe Scotty's that pissed that he's not talking to him. So I think for me, this documentary was so powerful because I didn't live in the Jordan era. I've always heard all oh, you kids talk about LeBron, but you don't you don't know how good MJ was. You don't know the goat. You don't know watching Michael Jordan. You know what? Now I believe that there is definitely some truth to that statement. So now I'm going to weigh in on the long-time GOAT debate. All of my life, all of my life, I have always leaned LeBron. If you asked me who's the greatest player to ever play basketball, I would have told you LeBron James. If you asked me who would win in a 1v1 game, prime Jordan or prime LeBron, I would have told you prime LeBron. But now I question that for one reason. LeBron definitely has a size advantage. That's for sure. But I I really just think that Michael Jordan would simply be too competitive to lose. Throughout the documentary, we saw Michael talk a lot of off-the-court crap. Nowadays, most players don't single out players or teams off the court and talk about them. That's on-the-court stuff. After the game, you know, they dap each other up. Uh, You know, they talk about their good friendships. But Michael did that a lot and still does that to this day on Isaiah Thomas. Um But you know why he can do that? He always, always backed it up. Not one time did Michael Jordan call someone out and say he was going to do something and he didn't do it. Not one time. So I think that Jordan might be too competitive for LeBron. Nonetheless, I have also always been an advocate for the you can't compare eras argument. And I still believe that there is some truth to that. The game has changed. We don't know how Jordan would fare in today's NBA and rules and vice versa. We don't know how LeBron would fare in that day's NBA and rules. So it is for this reason that I still don't have a definitive answer for who the real GOAT is. But overall, I really love the series and I cannot wait for Lance, B-Water, and Long Gone Summer all coming to ESPN very soon. And we are finishing it out with the MLB. They plan to hold their draft virtually 
similar to the NFL draft. There will be no draft rooms. All drafting will be via video conference. Day one will be June 10th at 6 p.m. Central Time. That will include the first round only. Day two, June 11th, will be at 4 p.m. Central Time, and that will include rounds two through five. All of these conditions are set to change as the dates approach based on the status of the virus. ESPN's Jeff Passion describes the MLB's return-to-play protocol as a massive, ambitious undertaking. Some of the elements within the protocol include 10,000 tests a week, free testing to all healthcare workers and first responders in MLB cities, significant restrictions to stadiums, social distancing in dugouts and players in stands, and no taxis or Ubers. Seeing the players in the stands rather than the dugout would definitely be weird. But seeing as how I live in an MLB city, the whole free testing for healthcare workers and first responders uh, in the city uh, would be pretty pretty great. I think that would be a really good thing. I, I'm very close with a lot of people that are in the healthcare field that are uh, first responders. So I think that could be a great thing, but we will see where all of this goes very soon. Anyways, that's all I got for you guys today. I really appreciate you stopping by and giving me a listen, whether you're just chilling, sitting around your house, killing time, or driving somewhere, no matter where you are. I thank you for listening to the show. I hope you all stay safe as we begin to venture out into our normal lives again. Remember to wash those hands, wear those masks, and most importantly of all, please, please stay away from people. Just keep your distance. Respect the bubble, okay? But anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you come back next week. This has been the Phases Take Podcast. <laughs>